This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Take a minute right now to hit that subscribe button so you always get a notification when we post a new episode. All right, well, welcome everyone to Connecting Communities podcast. Uh, today we are with Reforesting the Vine. Um, and let's go ahead and just introduce ourselves. I am Patrick Hirschberger. I am hosting today. I'm Sharon Deaver, uh, co-host and guest for Reforest Vine. Joe Byers from Reforest Vine. Mitch Leto, also from Reforest Vine. Jeff Kleiss, also from Reforest Vine. Well, excellent. So glad for everyone to be here today. And I'm sorry I said reforesting the vine, which was completely bad. <laughs> reforest vine, right? Got it. Excellent. Two words. Perfect. So we started reforest as vine. Uh, reforest the vine, oh. and it's recently changed to reforest vine. Oh, why did it switch? Was it just as shorter and easier to you know have on socials or whatever? Or? So I, I was actually inspired by um, the work that Edison is doing, and they are just calling it Grow Edison. Mm. So yeah, just kind of simpler, little catchier maybe. Yeah, it's like yeah. action neighborhood. Reforest yep. vine. Yeah. Boom, money. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, tell tell me and I guess a little bit about uh, Reforest Vine. What does the project do at its soul? Who wants to start? I guess I can try. Um, well, I think uh, we first connected maybe because of Joe, and it was just several neighbors, and we realized that uh, not enough trees were being planted, so we wanted to take action and actually I increase the tree canopy um, in our own neighborhood. When did this occur? Um, so I think it was the summer of 2021 is when we kind of got together. Um, Building Blocks has been our funder, um, which is a local nonprofit that um, kind of helps uh, build blocks, yeah, um, yeah. beautify neighborhoods. Uh, we've done it in and, our neighborhood as well. Yeah, yeah. so um, they serve um, kind of the uh, lower income neighborhoods like Oakwood, Vine, Edison, the North Side, and um, it's up to the residents what they want to do with the money that's allotted to that neighborhood. So it's a really cool thing. Uh, so I'm off of Lane. Um, over in Edison, and we, we have the boulevards there. So one of our boulevard projects with Building Blocks was planting um, some new shrubs within the boulevard. So did it get started kind of like that? Was it like planned again like the curb lawn or? So there was like maybe a neighborhood meeting coming up and um, the guy that is on the board, his name is Judd Easton, uh, he's on uh, Building Blocks board. He was like handing out um, flyers for this neighborhood meeting and came across my yard, which I've converted mostly to native uh, gardens. And uh, he talked about Mitch. Um, he actually called Mitch the Lorax <laughs> and was like, I know this guy that's just crazy about trees. And um, so, and that, yeah. This is a new t-shirt for you. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, accurate. So it kind of like uh, just kind of blossomed from there, um, you know, just neighborhood People talking to each other, and um, yeah, like Sharon said, uh, you know, we wanted to do something about um, you know the tree canopy and the lack of trees in our neighborhood, and so we just decided that's what we we're going to do. Yeah, I think it's cool too because the building blocks program kind of creates something for neighbors to rally around and 
and sort of fosters connections between neighbors so people know each other and interact and help each other out more. And I think that that network was already building before we had building blocks. And so the structure was already kind of there of neighbors with a common goal and recognizing a common issue. And then it's like, okay, we need some funding, insert funding. <laughs> Our model fit their model really well. And so um, it's been kind of fun too because normally their model is you pick out a literal block uh, of the neighborhood and you really focus on, you know, a lot of the facades or front yards of the house on that block. And we were doing more neighborhood-wide initiatives, but the same theme. And so it was a little bit different because it was more geographically dispersed, but it's the same idea to like spread the benefit throughout the neighborhood. So it was a little bit different, but they were like, this is good. We'll fund you again if you still have more to do. And we definitely do. So, <laughs> so this is, so is that where funding for um, this comes from is through building blocks? Okay, yep. mm -hmm. cool. Yep. yep, yeah. Yeah, and I think that we've, I mean, we're, we're flexible. We're all volunteers yeah. here. Um, but our, I guess, our initiatives and our pattern in the last couple of years has been in spring and fall, uh, we do tree plantings. And then kind of in early summer, we do wildflower and native, like perennial plants. Um, type of plantings in the curb lawns. So there's sort of like these common spaces that everybody walks and drives by. And so the idea that, you know, a forest is not just the trees, there's plants yeah. underneath it too. There's pollinators, there's flowering plants, there's sedges, all sorts of different things. So <clears throat> we're kind of hitting multiple tiers of the, of the, you know, forest, if you will, it's like structure in the neighborhood. So you mentioned the curb lawns. Um, you know, these are, these are neighbors' yards, these are easements, you know, you've got a lot of uh, different, uh, different hands that potentially, you know, deal with those spaces. How do you, how do you address that with both like outreach to a neighbor or their yard or dealing with maybe like the city with like you realize it's an easement and could be dug up? Um, or like where you're planting things, like what's your process? Who knows how it started with communicating with the city? I know we always, uh, Joe is flagging to make sure that the, we do a no dig and can dig there. So like a mistake um, situation? Yeah, mistake, sorry, yeah. And to make sure that we can. And, and then I don't know how that worked. I mean, we met with uh, the forester for the yeah. city to, yeah. to talk to him and he was totally for what we were doing as well. Um, after we talked to him, so yeah, probably more details. I think we, I mean, we know there could be some heartbreaks, I and mean, they call it a hell strip for yeah. a reason. Dogs pee on it, road salt gets on it, piles of snow, like it's right in the you know exhaust uh, kind of corridor of all the cars and everything. And um, there's a couple I've seen where they're replacing a sidewalk, they dig part of it up, they're digging up a utility line, and they're you know. Um, have filled back in so I think that's that's kind of inevitable and luckily the native plants are pretty resilient they'll mm. fill back in a space pretty quickly um, the biggest thing that um, Joe is coordinating is the the mist dig as far as not putting trees where utility lines are and that's might seem obvious but um, they're gonna dig it right back up at some point if they have to do with that utility line so if mm. they're if they're flowers and grasses and things like that, that can kind of recover, but your tree is going to be gone if it's in yeah. that space. So, um. do you make contact with neighbors? Like, how do you deal? How do you address like if you're going to do okay, let's plant? I don't, and I don't want to say I know how this functions as far as 
do you pick a block or multiple blocks and then do you like go to door to door? Like what do you do with that? Or do you just like, go ahead. There's a lot of dog walkers in the group. <laughs> so um, just walking around the neighborhood has been one way of talking to people. Yeah. I'm not a dog walker, but so they can speak to that more. But just going out there and meeting neighbors yeah. has been a really good way to be like, oh, do you own like, oh, there, this looks like a good space. Would you like a tree here? Um, a few social media posts asking if anyone was interested in the neighborhood, if it fit the spacing and everything. And, yeah. <laughs> I think and this year we kind of did something a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, we, I, you can kind of talk about that, Jeff, where we just kind of, you know, we're like, we're going to, this spot right. needs a tree and we're going to plant here. <laughs> well, I think the, the tricky part about it is, is that a lot of houses in Vine are rentals yeah. and so you don't have somebody you can just go to who's there to say hey how do you feel about the curb lawn or do you want a new tree and whatnot and so for a lot of the properties that we've found that are rentals we've kind of just been going ahead and planting there because there often isn't someone to contact and it seems like that's gone fairly well I mean it seems like people have been receptive to that and that's more or less the way the city itself operates. Like if they're going to plant a tree in a spot, they just do it, you know. So they'll flag well, it. Well, and that's that's part of it, right? Because like if a tree is in the curb lawn, that's that's it's a property city, of the tree. City yeah. right away. Yep. So yep. is this this is the same instance? Am I thinking that yeah. correctly? Yeah. That yeah, this is now a city tree. It is. The yep. Yep. Homeowner's responsibility to maintain, but it's still owned by the city. Yep. Right. And for the for the plantings where you're converting the lawn to the to these native plantings with wildflowers and stuff that's a little more transformative and so we've pretty much been getting everybody's permission on that mm -hmm. um and we've been doing the intersections too mm, and yeah, yeah. it's not like anybody's gonna put a lawn chair there and hang out on this 10 by 10 <laughs> like <laughs> triangular <laughs> curb and so they're kind of unused spaces you almost you can't even really turn around a lawnmower even if you want to maintain mm -hmm. a lawn so it's just kind of just kind of silly but um but yeah, we try to try to engage the residents as much as we can, especially because watering is a big yeah. challenge uh, in spring. And if they have a hose right there in front of it, you know, there's a lot of ground for us to cover. And so it is you, definitely how helpful. Do you, do you have a, like, how do you work that now? Because I would imagine right after planting, like you have some like really crucial time periods for, for watering. So like, do you, you know, if you don't make contact with the neighbor, like, how do you manage that? <laughs> We're hauling around a lot. Right. <laughs> or in our cars. Driving around with buckets full of <laughs> Buckets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. buckets. Yeah, we made a, or made a map. You made a yeah. map, right? Uh, separating it into four sections. So we're right. all taking care of a different section okay. with watering consistently yeah. Yeah. during the non-rain times. We planted when? April this year yeah, for trees? Yeah, early April, yeah. So for a while we were doing pretty good with the amount of rain, but um, after that we have had yeah. to yeah, do the some heat hauling. Has been, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we tried to, the trees we get are, are different than what people normally see planted in parks and curb lawns. Yeah. Um, they come in their dormant, and so they've been kind of unearthed out okay. of their underground, you know, happy place, um, but they're still dormant, so the leaves haven't, uh, butted out yet and so um, it's no different to them if you plant them in March it's more just is the ground thawed yet and so if you get them in really early the they can kind of settle in a little bit and you get all that you know early spring snow melt and early spring rain and take advantage of that I think people think about planting trees in like May and June but 
like we found out this year, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get rain as reliably that time of year. So we try to take advantage of that and let Mother Nature water so we don't have to haul around five-gallon buckets all the time. But and The same thing in the fall, too. You know, we'll plant, like, in October, and, you know, it's going to be rainy and snowy, and so you don't have to worry about taking care of them, you know, for six months or whatever. How do you, because I know, like, the city has um, certain um, tree varieties that they choose for, like, for height and for all these different reasons. Mm -hmm. How do you approach that, and how was that a factor in discussion with the forester? Yeah, for sure. Um, there, we look at spacing, and, and we did talk through some of that stuff. And um, you know, Jeff pointed out to us the you can pick out certain sides of the street that have the high tension lines where they definitely will cut them if they get close. The some of the other utility lines that run through are insulated, and the trees can kind of grow around them, and it's fine. So there's sort of that height consideration, and then there's spacing too. People are used to seeing and kind of want to see like the, the broad branching trees stretching out their arms. So got sort of small, medium, and large. If you look at the city tree ordinance, you have small, medium, and large that fall under different size categories. And then you try to get that spacing um, so that you don't have two massive oak trees planted six feet away from each other yeah. that are going to um, that's the way it is in a forest, but it <laughs> generally looks a little bit different in the city. So, competing a little less for a canopy. Yep. Well, of course, we've been planting only native species, whereas, as we found, the city is planting a lot of non native, often cultivars, and so we're, I think, pretty dedicated to sticking with native species for all of our plantings. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's another difference between what you would usually see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I would imagine as long as it falls within those like height parameters, you know, it's probably fine, right? Because as long as you've got a, a thumbs up from the people that need to have that. I mean, there are certain species on the tree ordinance that, you know, they don't want planted in curb lawns. Right. Uh, one of the big ones is uh, the catalpa um, trees, the northern catalpa. And it's, I don't, I have one in my backyard and I don't feel like it's any messier than any other tree. Okay. But, you know, for considerations, you know, when Edison started their project, like a lot of people that came to their meeting, because Edison started a tree project as well, but um, they, uh, there were people that came to the meetings that were in wheelchairs and talked about like the sweet gum trees, they get like these big seed pods and they're like spiky and how it's hard for them to like, uh, you know, get their wheelchairs over yeah. those things on the sidewalk. So those are some of the things that I like never considered um, when planting a tree. But, you know, we really try to, you know, talk with the homeowner. One of the trees that we planted, um, she was, when I talked to her, she was like walk, walking around with a five gallon bucket, picking up walnuts. And she was like, you can plant a tree, but I don't want any walnuts or uh, anything like that. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, we try to, you know, get what the homeowner wants and, um, uh, you know, what we feel like would be a good street tree. Do you do any fruiting trees? Like, and, or does it pretty much like, like, what is your, I guess, what kind of trees do you typically plant? Like, what would be in your, your list of 2023 trees uh, for the vine? 
Like, yeah. I guess we've been pushing a lot of diversity. So like this last planting we did, was it 32 trees? And we only had two, well, actually it's not exactly sure. We had two of each species. So it's very diverse, okay. right? So it's not like yeah. you have like 10 of something and 10 of another. It's like very spread out. That's way more. Um, I, th I thought it yeah. would be like five varieties. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know how many that comes out to, but it's a lot, you know, and so that was sort of the idea is we want to get a high diversity, native trees, some are fruiting. I guess I was pushing for more fruiting trees myself because I'm also interested in permaculture and so this idea that the trees serve multiple purposes uh, is part of it and so uh, there's some that are fruiting but many are just other types like we have a number of oak species um, but yeah, it's, it's really about diversity, I think, yeah. more than anything else. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, like, I mean, obviously this isn't just a one or two or three year project. I would imagine, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, <laughs> but, like, this is something you probably see going on for some time. So, like, you know, you might be planting, you know, these 16, you know, species now, but, like, you add to that list, you know, 10 years from now, and, like, gosh, you might have only planted two this time around, but then, you know, 10 years, there's, you know, 10 or 15 of, yeah. of each of these you know, trees. I think we have job security, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, and I, I helped Edison get their tree uh, thing going, and I mean, my vision for this thing is like all of Kalamazoo, you know, reforest Kalamazoo. You know, like, that's pretty big ambitions, um, and it would probably take way more than just the four of us. <laughs> but, At least five. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is something, you know, that we're committed to for sure. Well, I mean, if you've, you're starting where you live, right? Yeah. I mean, because all of you, I assume, live mm -hmm. in the vine. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think that's a great start if you do mm -hmm. that. Because you know, you know who's around you. You work and live and play around those that area. Yeah. And to expand, I mean, again, it's Kalamazoo. So, you know, we are a city, but we're not, you know, a huge city. So our neighbors um, are one neighborhood away or two neighborhoods away. It's really not that far. Yeah. And then you have, like, interested parties, like you said, Edison, yeah. just doing things. I mean, that's an extension of that. I mean, have you secured the nonprofit yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool. It's just kind of neighborhood level decision making and what, you know, um, specific people, you know, I mentioned talking with landowners and or homeowners or renters and trying to find something that they like um, when we can. But yeah, making decisions on a neighborhood level, there's a practicality of I can go down to the intersection of Village and Oak and pull some weeds at our um, pollinator, you know, corner curbs, and the four of us can go water trees in a, in a section of the neighborhood that we've picked out. So it's kind of that neighborhood level um, decision making. And the city plants um, not as much variety, you know, across the city, and there are, according to the, the tree inventory, there's 12,000 available planting spots in the yeah. city. And so we need a ton. So there's definitely room to work with. Well, other that list, that list isn't, you know, it, 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 I think the, the, the next list is for 2024, if I remember correctly, for the city tree planting. They're taking, they're taking requests for that. Um, so I mean, yeah. really, like, you know, there's, it's already a year and a half out there. And then you're only going to have so many trees probably planted within that time period by the city. So I mean, you're, you know, only assisting, I would imagine. Now, are they inventorying that? 
I don't know. The 2022 yeah. one was, is a pretty massive. It's it's cool. There's an interactive yeah. map that you can Through go. GIS, you can literally you can see it all. GIS. Yeah. You can go zoom into Lane or whatever street yeah. you live on yeah. and see what is that weird tree that is in front of my house. Um, and they'll also put dots where there's available spots too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how they calculate <clears throat> how many potential planting spots there are. But yeah, when you really start to crunch the numbers, it's a big it's a big effort, and that's assuming that. None of those trees that are planted die, right? Yeah, but we sick, know, like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there was just a tree down Bryant the other day, like uh, somebody ran it over with a car, and it was just, I know it's just planted like last year, you know? So we were just talking about that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just going down Stadium Drive, they spent all those, all that money on those trees, and like every single one is dead, you know? It, it, that's part of our approach, too, is that, you know, this, the city is planting these great big lollipop trees, and they just really don't have success. Um, not like the bare root trees and yeah. the smaller trees uh, do. Um, and you have to water them. You know, you can't just put a tree in somewhere and, um, you know, I, and not water it. No, I get it. I mean, like, that's, it's just like with your lawn, right? Like, if you decide to, like, do whatever you do with your lawn, or something mm -hmm. happens with it, like, it's not going to grow unless you, right. unless you get really lucky with, like, the rain. Yeah. 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 I think one one uh, insight is just seeing how tough it is to be a tree in the city and kind of yeah. like commiserating, empathizing a little bit. You know, there's there's exhaust, like you said, like cars are running them over. One thing that, that I can't unsee now that actually I think City Forester pointed out, um, if they're not unwrapped properly, mm -hmm. you can see the roots are like crawling over each other and they're like that for forever. And you can yeah. see how they, they weren't properly planted and they're still that way. You see these sort of calloused like wounds on the side of the tree because when lawnmowers and weed whips come up, <clears throat> they go right against the tree to get, you know, that grass down to that three quarters of an inch or whatever they're they're trying to do. And some of these trees are only, you know, an inch and a half across. If they take that kind of damage, they're not gonna be able to sustain it. So we have, you know, protective cages and things like that and mulch around um, our trees because there's just a lot of physical impact yep. that they take and then obviously you have chemical <clears throat> you know exhaust road salt um, you know things leaking out of cars you know whatever and yeah. so I think it yeah it's tough to be a tree I mean everything we do city. has runoff you know especially yeah. in areas close you know close enough to the road yep well I do think that we have taken a lot of those things into consideration though when we're picking out species um, you know, Jeff did a great job this spring of picking out some things and um, like you were talking about the fruit trees and um, even the uh, pecan trees, which, um, you know, I, uh, I'm i excited about because I love pecans, so uh, <laughs> probably, you know, it won't be for quite some right. time. Right, yeah. you know, long time. <laughs> and we have some service berries, which are also called June berries, that have little fruits that uh, birds love to eat, but they're also edible for people too. So, um, whether or not you want to wash them off or you know, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. always a that's always a open question about you know growing things in urban spaces is you know soil um, quality and things like that. So, I also wanted to mention the um, 
donut versus volcano mulch that mm, we do. Yeah. Um, in case other people are inspired to plant trees, uh, look into a lot of different things, but that was another important Can't thing. Go into it a little bit. What do you mean? I think there's more experts here that can talk about it better, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I was hoping we'd mention that. You had yeah. pointed out that sign that you saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the general principle is that you don't want, you, you want to mulch around the tree, but you don't want to pile it against the trunk at all. So the area that you dug out, you need to cover it with mulch to keep it moist. But yeah, basically just don't pile it against the, you need a little, a little gap around the okay. trunk. Okay. People pile like these cones yeah. of yeah. mulch and they go nuts with the mulch and it's just, it's rotting vegetation. So right. there's all sorts of bacteria and mm -hmm. stuff in there. You're just, just percolating just doing its job, but yeah, you don't yeah. want to get that near the growing parts of the tree necessarily. Yeah, susceptible yeah. to more pests and disease is yeah. my yeah. understanding. Yep. Yeah. How do you, um, let's talk a little bit about like you, uh, the either native grasses or flowers or what you're doing with this. Like how do you, um, is it generally targeted to like specific, um, like say intersections or are you just saying like, hey, like this care lawn looks like it could use these five varieties like how do you how do you choose that i think like the locations have been kind of opportunistic one one intersection is right next to my house so i kind of knew people and i could walk by and ask them and normally they 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 don't care they say go for it it sounds great you know flowers where there's not not anything now as far as locations go um I think we would like to be a little more strategic, you know, potentially, because sometimes there's intersections that might have two planted in. It'd be nice to fill them in and sort of like change the change the culture a little bit about what people are used to seeing. And you know, there's there's um, urban planning around having spaces uh, planted medians and things like that mm -hmm. that slow the pace of traffic down because it doesn't feel like it's a completely open racetrack. And so. Um, I think that is, you know, potentially a benefit of that. But um, your question was about, yeah, how to know, you know, what to plant as well. Um, and the light conditions are a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, I guess the light conditions in a lot of the curb lawns are similar because they're right next to the street for the most part. Yeah. So it's going to be mostly sunny. Well, and, and uh, so, like, do you plant, in, I would say, something that's, like or an organized structure or is this like throughout like one front of a curb lawn? Like how do you deal with like if people have to mow? You know, because we do have we do <laughs> yes, we do have, you know, these things called ordinances in the city that we all have to deal mm -hmm. with on some level, right? So like so if you plant a full curb lawn, like a house with full of flowers, um, uh, do you have to then contact um, you know, Someone for this, or like, what if somebody that. gets like all of a sudden you've got a neighbor who just got a fine because they didn't mow their front yard, you know, this curb lawn? Yeah, I've had some interesting times with that because I I converted my lawn myself, my curb lawn, and then the city wasn't like right away. They like sent me a letter. Oh, you need to cut down all your weeds or whatever. So I had you to like go grass and weeds enforcement. Right. Yeah. So you know, I had to go back and forth with them, and I ended up sending them like, here's a list of all the species. Here's exactly because it, it was like a little footnote about oh if it's a naturalized yep. I need to call it a naturalized yep. landscape, exactly. and you know once you tell them it's like, okay so they they kind of back off from that but then it came back again so I think maybe I think maybe on the city's part there's a little bit of learning that needs to occur there about what is a naturalized landscape as they call it versus just a bunch of weeds growing up and Correct. tall grass yeah. 
Yeah, there are some helpful things that we are able to have a little bit back and forth. There are some cities that you can't do that at all. I would love to see that more progressive than it currently is. Um, but ideally, I mean, this is not supposed to be mode at all. So the idea is to make it look pretty intentional. Um, it's not going to be your um, planting every year box store, big sure. box store yeah. flowers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, is there any potential like signage for that? Or if they're like, do you like give... Are there any resources that can be given to like neighbors? Be like, hey, look, like if you do receive an enforcement, here's you know this is what you should you know send back to the inspector or whatever. I don't I don't know. I'm just there's yeah. a lot of room for opportunity to grow that. Um, I yeah, I don't oh, know cool. what to say yeah. exactly, <laughs> yeah. but there's yeah. definitely a lot more that yeah. can be done. Yeah, I think they're um, looking at. I think that the had some conversation with city staff trying to figure out how to work that into the code, and I think. Um, Sharon used the operative word intentional because the the intention of the weed ordinance is if it's abandoned or not taken care of, they're wanting, wanting to make sure that everybody is like doing their part and yeah. you know taking care of what is usually a lawn. And I, you know, Jeff kind of spoke like I told them that this was intentional and here are the species that yeah. I'm using and to avoid any of that. And people can, can call in on neighbors and things like that too. So yeah. to avoid any of that, A, we try to make it look good. So we have lots of pretty flowering plants. And especially on the corner curbs, we keep them really short. So species that are maybe like 24 inches or less. And then most of what we've been planting have been like 24 inches or less or even 36 inches or less. Um, and so at peak growth, um, you know, in terms of sight lines and things like that yep. with, with traffic um, on the intersections, but. It's definitely gonna be over eight inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, honestly, like that eight inches is pretty quick in the summer. Yeah. yeah. You know, with, with, with anything from yeah. whether it be grass, which is like random plants that just grow up in the yard. It just, it just happens. Yeah. And yeah, we're sure. not the first group to have done those corner gardens as well. Other groups have done some, even in the vine, mm -hmm. uh, but we are more intentionally trying to go after yeah. only native plants, yeah. um, which is different in that way. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I, I want to say, I mean, a, a couple of you also sit on committees or commissions within the city that are, you know, have environmental impact. I mean, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What, uh, Just what say do what you, you do. Like that? what do you do? Like what what do you what do you do as far as the committee right now? Um, so I'm also on the environmental concerns committee. Um, that's a different hat, though. So yeah, through that, I would love to see us be able to recommend some more um, strong wording towards uh, encouraging native plants instead of um, people being calling their neighbor, uh, calling on their neighbor, and tattling about not liking how something looks. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, though. So um, yeah. But I, and I guess I guess where I'm going with this is like, like besides being neighbors and people mm. that are getting together to do this thing, like you all are, are highly active within your community, like on multiple levels. Like I mean, yeah. but what do you do for a job, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, my day job, I work for a nonprofit called the Southwest Michigan Land Conservancy. So it, familiarity with native plants really helps to translate in this yeah. situation. Yeah. But it's also different. The urban landscaping space, sure. as far as what plants belong where, it's not always, you know, intuitive um, as, far as, as far as that goes. But I love this because, it, you know, it feels like a real grassroots community thing. Yeah. 
and you know we're all working together and we have a text thread going all the time about hey this yeah. is blooming or like this could mm -hmm. be weeded or whatever and so that's really fun but I think that you know the the big wild spaces are super important for biodiversity and conservation and all that but I think that um, that the urban spaces should not be ignored because that's where most people have their exposure to the outdoors and nature myself included like I live in the city and so I think that that is really, really critical in a different way. And so I, I guess getting I'm, into the what, what I'm saying here is that, like, <laughs> obviously, you know, on, a, on levels from what you do for work, what you do for fun, what you do for, you know, action, you know, within your community, I mean, like, you're living and breathing this. So it seems like, you know, this is something that started off very ground roots and is still very ground roots and could expand out to other neighborhoods and is expanding out to the other neighborhoods. I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. good things that will continue to come through this because of the passion, whether it be, you know, work or fun or neighbor or community activism. I mean, there's just so many, like, intertwining factors here. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody here is really <clears throat> passionate and kind of fits into the group and, and brings something to the table in one yeah. way or another. That's really fun. Sharon has the pulse of everything going on around the city <laughs> has been kind of our communications and social media and advertising and all that. Joe is the heart of our group. He works super hard. He is out walking his cute dogs every day and talking to people and um, doing a lot in terms of planting and weeding and watering. And Jeff has been doing a lot of good organizing and making lists and getting us a little bit um, you know, well-functioned and, uh, yeah, get, getting our spreadsheets all organized because over time we want to be able to track how much we're doing and, you know, the success and all of that. So, yeah, we want to um, be able so to say that. So, what, three, four years? Uh, you said 2021? Yeah. Fall, fall, fall 2021. Yeah. So this is going on two full years. Okay, okay. Right. I mean, you've done so much for just two years. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're pushing 100 trees, <clears throat> and um, obviously the number number changes every spring and fall sure. and if something if a car runs over it if something happens like they do sometimes not make it uh, we replant so we keep a good eye on that um, but yeah 100 trees two years that's great and all not relatively within like a you know very small active neighborhood mm -hmm. yep finds a one mile by one mile neighborhood I think so okay hmm. It's mm. a good stat to know. Steve, when I yeah. talk about it, so. Well, and you do border Edison, so that borders right up to what is it? Is it Burdick? I want to say is the I line. I think that is the line. Yeah. For for Edison and Vine connecting with each other. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and the the obviously we're we're doing it for free because we're volunteers, but the price of the trees that we're using are like a dollar fifty, maybe two fifty, three dollars a tree. And if <clears throat> the instant gratification, the Joe called them lollipop trees earlier. <laughs> they have yeah. a perfectly straight stem, they have a perfectly round canopy, they chop the roots off and, and bundle them up yeah. into burlap. So they're also called like B and B ball and burlap trees. Um, those can be fifty to a hundred dollars a tree. And so we're doing it for a fraction of the cost. So I mean, yeah, you do have to wait a little longer, but as we've been discussing recently, they grow pretty fast. I would, I would, I would take a bet against the the lollipop tree and you know a three foot bare root tree, um, you know, go back in ten years and see what the height is. Mm. So there's a little bit of patience involved, <laughs> of obviously. Of course, I mean, it's but, a tree. Like it's yeah. not something that's 
you know, you're going to have instant gratification where they don't think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, where do people find you on socials? Reforest Vine on Facebook, I think, is the main one. And then the email address is... ReforestTheVine at gmail.com for now. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if people want to get a hold of you to like be like, hey, I want this in my yard. Like, what if someone gets a hold of you that's not in the vine? Would you be able to direct them with resources? Potentially. I mean, Edison neighborhood. We know Joe's pretty connected to yeah. Grow Edison is what it's called. Okay. And yeah, we'd love to see it. I know other people have mentioned like, oh, I want to see this in our my neighborhood. I'm like. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Meet up with your neighbors, and I think a lot of people are interested in it. So yeah, if we, I'd love to hear who's interested to try to make connections if um, there isn't already something going. Well, and the, the cool thing about this too is, I mean, like you have structure to this, right? So like, if someone from, say, Stewart wanted to get a hold of Building Blocks, or they they wanted to emulate what you're doing, you know, there is a there is a really clear cut pathway of yep figuring this out. Yeah, and Joe, Joe has done that, <clears throat> helped at the Edison neighborhood, and we have people from other neighborhoods come to our work days, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. see them advertised on Facebook or word of mouth or wherever, and like, this is really cool, I wanna bring this to my neighborhood. So I think we'd be happy to at least show what the model is, show how it's been working for us, but you really have to get your local buy-in. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm not hauling a five-gallon <laughs> bucket of water to <laughs> the next neighborhood over. <laughs> So far, I've been able to haul all of them on foot. I really yeah. like to stick to that, and it's really hard if you get too far yeah. between hoses. CrossFit, so. tree watering. Ooh, you need one of those. Uh, I don't know what the bikes are called, but they have like the carrier in the front of it with. Oh like, yeah. yeah. Like a utility trailer. Yeah. yeah. I've looked into some wagons, but so far. <laughs> but even I don't know. I guess don't know. We don't know exactly where where we're going to go from here and all of what we'll maybe look after. But um, <clears throat> Building Blocks made a connection with us and there was sort of this corner garden space that is still really used. I think it has like a swing set in it, some playground equipment, mm -hmm. but the, the vegetation landscaping has kind of been untended, gone to the wayside a little bit. And they were like, would you be interested in adopting this space? And, and so it's a little bit of a I don't know, pocket park even. It's smaller than that. What part, of, what part of I am? Um, so it's right on um, South Rose and Wall Street. Wall Street. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that's the old. Was that the old community garden? Yeah. So there's a little because um, that's that's been there for forever. Yeah. I know it's been a few, through a few different. Yeah. Right, and apparently hands. you know either people have moved uh, away or have passed on, but there's there's a lot of potential there for yeah. sure. Um, you know, I kind of like fell in love with the spot when I went over there to ch check it out and it's got a greenhouse I mean we could like be growing our own plants and yeah um, which we all kind of do a little bit of that anyways yeah. um, in our backyards to fill in spots in our own spots and is there like um, like water resources there as far as like a or is that yeah. attached to a house yeah. or is that no. a so it, it was a house at one time but there's a garage there but they also have like water oh cool yeah so that's It'd be helpful. cool because there's there's some limitations obviously to working in the, you know, six or ten feet or whatever in the curb lawn. So you could kind of yeah plant species that you might not be able to use and add more diversity to the neighborhood and yeah. Um, yeah so we'll see and kind of see where it goes. There's another group around the um, 
Southwest Nidge or Pioneer Park, it used to be called, with these big, gorgeous uh, burr and white oak trees in there and doing some wildflower, native oak savanna wildflower and plants, um, plantings in there, that's in the vine. So I could definitely see it being housed under that and kind of growing and um, eventually we're gonna need an employee or somebody <laughs> to like coordinate and do it full time, but. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, when's the nonprofit happening? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, so it looks I mean, like you kind of already have right. maybe a Maybe Larry Bell yeah. will fund our tree planting efforts. Uh, when, Joe, when can you jump ship and become <laughs> the first official employee? Yeah. Of I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I'm happy to just volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we come to, um, as we come towards the close of our episode, um, Say what's on your mind. Any last thoughts? Um, I think, I don't know, there's nothing more optimistic than planting a tree. <laughs> you know, we on the way here, we're like, we're all wearing masks or breathing in wildfire smoke mm -hmm. and things like that. But yeah. like, it's such a positive, um, you know, kind of builds morale and builds momentum. And you can just like see it grow and see the changes, see bumblebees buzzing around your front yard. Like, um, I don't know. I uh, just really encourage people to look at their own spaces around them and, you know, connect with neighbors and try it out. And, uh, yeah, like planting a tree is the most cliche thing you can do for the environment, right? So it's still, still valid in so many ways. I think for me, um, I, I just can't explain the joy and happiness I get from doing this kind of uh, work. It's, it's so fulfilling and like Mitch said, it just makes you feel so good, you know? I mean, it's, it's pure and, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with all of the bad things going on in the world, it's really nice to have some positive things that we're able to put action and do something that is helping. Um, well, it's such a hyper-local level. You know, mm -hmm. Like, you don't, I feel like one of the things that we focused on this year for, um, Earth Day was, you know, how do we look at not this bigger picture, obviously it's important, but how do we look at where we live? You know, what can we do here? And I feel like, you know, we found so many things that embody that, that we do as, you know, neighbors of Kalamazoo, which this is definitely part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I would agree with that, that there is a lot of, you know, personal enjoyment you can get out of it. But I think another thing I'd like to add is, I think we're all familiar with Doug Tallamy, the writer, you know, the naturalist and writer, and how there's sort of this rethinking of where is nature, you know, because I think there's a there's a tendency to think, oh well, nature is out there somewhere, but it's really everywhere, and it should be in the city as well as anywhere else. And in some ways, the habitats that you can create in the city have some advantages over other habitats that might exist elsewhere for various reasons. And so, yeah, it's a very local thing that you can do to sort of change that mindset of where does nature belong, you know? That's a culture, culture change too. Right, right, That's very much. Trying to push. Well, it sounds like you, you, you have to advocate for it. Yeah. It doesn't just come naturally necessarily. Right. But people are, it is being normalized. Like people are getting used to seeing it. Lots of conversations that 
lots of questions when I did the one in front of my house about how are you going to manage that? What are you going to, are you going to clean up all the leaves? What about the salt? And mm. this, that, and the other. And like five years down the road, the same neighbors are like, so what about this space I have in my yard? What, what would you recommend planting here? So I think, I definitely think it's happening. Leading by doing. You know, sometimes yeah. that's the best example. It's just like having that and seeing it it'll be a success or, you know, if it's not a success, like how do you transition and make it a success after it's failed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on Connecting Communities podcast. Um, I want to appreciate a public media network um, for all that they do for the podcast here. You can watch episodes uh, when they come out on uh, their website as well as you can check us out on socials on Instagram uh, for the uh, Kalamazoo Earth Day on Instagram as well as um, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having us.